Hi everybody and welcome to the second episode of Bloody Pasta. I hope you enjoyed the first case, the Alinovi case, and I will give you a warm welcome to the second episode. So today we will travel again to the north of Italy and more than the architectural part of the region, I will give you an historical overview. And today we're not gonna talk only in Italian, but there will be a lot of German too. So without further ado, welcome to the dark side of Italy. Welcome to Bloody Pasta. As you might know, Italy has not always been an united nation. In fact, my motherland was divided for centuries into states, cities, kingdoms and principalities. Many other European countries have invaded Italy, Spanish, Austrian and French. The impact of all these invasions is still captured in the rich regional dialect and the physical difference among Italians. In the recent history, several territories became part of Italy after political agreements between neighboring countries. Bolzano, for example, became part of the Italian kingdom following World War I. And yes, Italy was still a kingdom at the time. Following the loss of World War I, the Austrian Empire crumbled and the Alpine region of Bolzano known as Suttirolo, was annexed by Italy in 1920. This was a great disappointment in the local population, the Bolzanini. Locals didn't feel Italian, they didn't speak Italian, they didn't have Italian name and they didn't want to be Italian in the first place. They want to be Austrian. But it was 1920. And Mussolini was in charge. He was in the beginning of his dictatorship and he imposed Italian as a language and a lifestyle. Sutirol needed to be Italian for political reason. Nowadays, Bolzano, or Bolzen in German, is now an autonomous province of Italy. And this dual character of German and Italian is still palpable in Sultirol. The autonomous status granted the province with unique local powers. For example, they have the ability to display a bilingual street sign, German and Italian, or study German alongside Italian in public schools. And since the integration to Italy, part of the population has always fight to be entirely separated from Italy and re-enter Austria. But it's not the political division that placed this region on a worldwide scene. What makes this northern area famous is the landscape, the Alps, the forest and the lakes. I do have great child memories of Sutirolo and discovering Bolzano with my family. The old center with the characteristic arcades of a looking little shop which are selling woods, goods typical of Sultirol. 
And shall we talk about the sucker cake? My God, I still remember. And my parents drinking elderberry alcohol. Great fun. But one thing that I do remember, it's Odzi. A prehistoric mummy discovered in 1991 by two hikers in the Alps. And castles. Beautiful castles. And is at Castel Concina, nine minutes outside Bolzano, is where today's story will take place. But let's start from the beginning. It's February 17, 1997. Hans Koffler is unable to contact his boss, Christian Waldner. That day, Christian missed an important congress in Milan. Koffler contact immediately the Bolzan police and expressed his concern to Inspector Del Piero, requesting a welfare check at Christian House, Castel Guncina. The castle is not only Christian residence, but an hotel too. Few people stay at the opulent residence in the middle of February 1997, and the majority of tourists had already left. In February that year, there were only few permanent residents. Hans Konfler contacted a common friend, Jord Heider, who arrived at the castle in a matter of minutes. Jörg was greeted by the Doberman, who was roaming around in lawn when he arrived. But Jörg noticed something isn't quite right. His friend's car is parked in the usual spot, but the tires are flat. He went inside of the hotel lobby and he tried to enter the rear office, but it was locked. He walked then into Christian's room, room 108, but the door was closed too. Jörg thought that Christian could have left with his second car. And uh, while he was reaching the garage, the inspector del Perro arrived at the hotel. After a quick introduction between the two, York and Del Piero went together to the garage where they discovered the second car. So what happened to Christian and why is it not possible to find him? At the point, Waldner Erika, an hotel collaborator of Christian, entered the lobby. She has access to the back office where the keys of Christian's room are kept. Del Piero is right behind her, in front of the entrance. She unlocks the door and takes few steps in the small office. She immediately starts to shout and dash back to the lobby. They found Christian. He is lying on the floor in a pool of blood. His body is covered by rugs and bloody papers. He is well-dressed, like he should have go out and meet someone. Five rifle wounds bullet were visible on his body, one at the shoulder, second passed through his hand, one hit the neck, another the back, and the last, his nape, execution style. The bullets were caliber twenty-two. The coroner made an accurate reconstruction 
of Christian attack. He was assaulted in the lobby and his body was dragged into the office. This was confirmed by the position of his arm, which were lifted. This was confirmed by the position of his arm lifted and he was dragged inside of the office with bloody marks on the floor and clothing in an odd position. The blood stains in the lobby were cleaning up with the rugs and the pathologist will place the time of death around noon Saturday the 15th of February. No cartridges were found in the crime scene as well as useful fingerprints. The only items missing were paperwork that Erica had seen on Christian's desk on the day of the murder. How we know? Well, that Saturday, Erica dropped Christian letters and mail in the lobby shortly before noon. The rear office door was open and she was standing in front of the lobby desk. She noticed a folder of documents and two glasses of orange juice. Christian must have company, but she couldn't see anyone. The cops were unable to locate any documents in the, f- in the office, and the desk was left empty. A farmer discovered documents scattered on a step hill few days later like someone had threw them away from a moving car. Some paper were stained in blood. Fortunately, the contact of most of the document was still readable, but it was not useful for the investigation. Mixed with the paper, they discovered glass fragments as well. Inspector Del Pero called almost immediately the Digos, Digos is an Italian police section that deals with both internal and external terrorism linked by political motivation. But what prompts Digos to get involved? So what is Christian Waldner's background? Christian Waldner was an Italian politician and a charismatic presence of a South Tyrol autonomy at the time and he was only 38 years old when he died. He came from a wealthy family and Waldner studied economics and became a lecturer at the University of Innsbruck, Austria. He joined the Zutirol Volkspartei, SPV, a right-wing conservative party at a very young age. He was soon elected the president of the Junge Generation, the young part and section of the party. He progressively turned to radical beliefs, which led him to support issues like the Sud Tyrol self-determination from Italy and historic Tyrol reunification with Austria. This put him at odds with the political grouping leaders. The division between Waldner and the SPV leaders became increasingly wider. Eventually, he left in 1991. A year later, in December 7, 1992, 
the rebel politician stipulated the formation act of his own political party, the Freiheit Lichen, the Libertarian, at Castelguncina. Waldner's charismatic personality became an issue even in his own party. Plenty of other extremists and radical fringe joined the Libertarian parties. But often the leaders of this fringe section were not aligned with Christian view and beliefs. This became a prominent issue, especially when the Schützen movement converged into the Libertarian. The Schützen, led by Peter Paul Reiner, is by far the most traditional of Tyrol militants in terms of ideology. At the beginning of 97, Waldner left his own party, the Libertarian, and founded a new political entity called Alianza 98. Christian aimed to run to the provincial election in 98. At the time, he engaged in new confrontation with SPV and the Libertarian, with corruption allegations against various party members and threatening of the publication of hot dossier. Overall, Christian was a controversial figure with a modern view of local political scene. Overall, Christian was a controversial figure with a modern view of local political scene. Christian was the perfect candidate for a political motivated murder. The investigation passed to the prosecutor Kuno Tarsofer and the captain Alexander Ziegler. On the 21st of February, five days later, Christian body was found, the first turning point of this story. A suspect was called to the station. Peter Paul Reiner, 29 at the time. He was the leader of the Schützen and confinder of the Libertarian Party with Christian Wagner. Reiner was an historian at the University of Innsbruck and a rising political figure in Sudtirol. Christian and Paul had a sweet and salty connection with intertwined political and private life. And after a series of hints from various sources, Peter became a suspect. Two witnesses recognized Peter as a person who, on the 15th, around noon, he was traveling past Castelguncina on his way to Bolzano. The witness car was traveling in the opposite direction when suddenly they saw a car rushing down the same tight street. The two cars collide, hitting the side mirror. Both men recognized Peter as the driver. The police then were informed of a frightening incident by an anonymous but reliable source. Someone shoot at the library of the Libertarian headquarters few months before the homicide. Multiple witnesses corroborated that shooter was Peter. At the first interrogation, Peter gave a solid alibi, confirmed by a friend. They were together between 11.20 and 12. When the police 
pressure more this friend, he confessed that Peter asked to lie to the police and create for him an alibi. For the prosecutor Tarfusser, that was enough. The murder is Peter Paul Reiner. Peter entered the police station with confidence and 12 hours later he confessed. He never left that police station. The motive of this murder is not politically driven, but is fueled by power and manipulation. It became clear that Reiner was an automobile student when he was a teenager. And Paul was unable to obtain his high school diploma. So his friend, Christian Weidner, who was already a university assistant, helped Paul by enrolling him with a falsified certificate at the University of Innsbruck. The power dynamic between the two will be forever harmed as a result of this action. Peter was being blackmailed by Christian, who threatened him to expose his dark secret. This gave Christian the ability to terminate Peter's academic and political career at any given time. Christian friend and confidence, the journalist Arthur Oberhofen, as well as his assistant Hans Koffler, acknowledged the existence of this mysterious dossier with proof of corruption of other parties. And Peter? Peter was so worried that those dossiers were about him. During the investigation, nothing has been ever discovered or any document in Christian possession to corroborate the existence of this hot dossier. Christian was just a fantastic frontman who can lead people in belief in his belief. A businessman and a politician. A typical mix for the 90s in Italy, right? But Peter, Peter was the one who came up with all the ideas, the message, the ideology behind. Peter had enough to be in the darkness and being continuously threatened by Christian. With Peter's help, the cops pieced together the facts. Waldner and Reiner have an appointment in the middle of the morning in Waldner's office in Castel Guncina that Saturday. They needed to write a press release and send it to the local press about a gypsy village in outskirts of Bolzano. Later, they are both scheduled a meeting with Giuliano Agosti, an entrepreneur, to discuss alternative TV channel concept for Tirol. Reiner arrives at uh, Castel Guncina and parks his car in front of the residence. The two work together for an hour and a half, and no one sees them. They write the flyer together and fax it to ANSA agency, which is the press release. Then something happened, something that triggered again another fight between the two. Reiner had enough, rushed out of the office. 
Maybe he wanted to leave, but he arrived in front of his car. He opened the trunk, checks out of a bag, and inside a Chinese-made rifle, poked in Austria with a silenced barrel. He returns to the hotel and hides in the toilet where he charged his weapon. At that moment, Eric appears in the lobby, carrying the mail. She noticed the two glasses of orange juice and stuck papers. Reiner patiently waited for Erika's departure. He made it sure no one was around. And he started his attack. Unloads five shoots of carabine on Bartner, who tries to protect himself with hands. The last bullet goes to the back. Then Paul brings Christian's body in the, in the office. The killer scrubs the floor with a rag before throwing it on the body. Then Paul gathers all the papers from the desk, including some threatening letters that Baldwin had received, as well the two glasses they had just drunk from. He drives away in his green Citroën, a flying cheat and glasses out of the window has approaches the edge of a cliff. After a few minutes, Peter is the Hotel Laurin to the scheduled meeting. In front of the TV partner, he pretended to be waiting for Wagner and called him over and over on his phone. Julia Agosti, the TV businessman, will testify that Peter show up on to the meeting without a winter jacket which was quite a noticeable move given Bolzano's freezing winter temperature. That night, Peter threw away the rifle in a landfill, wrapped in an old pair of pants. Peter was in... <sighs> Peter was incarcerated immediately, and he waited in jail until the starting of the first trial that summer. He received a 22-year sentence, which, of course, he appealed. The second trial began a, a year later, 1998. He was acquitted due to the lack of evidence. And let me tell you, everybody was astonished. The judge will say then, other leads were not considered during the investigation, like the fact that Christian received several threats, and none of which were followed up by the authorities. The time between the homicide and the meeting at the, in the Bolzano Hotel was just too close. Furthermore, few witnesses claimed to have seen Christian on the 15th in the afternoon in Bolzano city center and another person claimed to have seen him on the 15th evening in the castle. The case moved to Rome where the second sentence is overturned by the Supreme Court. The trial must be rerun completely. In the year 2000, Peter was found guilty a second time and sentenced to 18 years in prison. This sentence was confirmed by the Supreme Court. 
in 2007, Peter was granted permission for a day out of prison. That day he married an Austrian woman in his hometown church. The ceremony was very private and in the church there were no representative of his former political connection at all. Peter was released from prison in 2013. He now lives in Austria with his family, where he is still taking part in political demonstration. This is where our story ends. I hope you enjoyed the second episode, Murder at the Castle. And I hope I will hear you soon. On my Instagram, you can search and follow for Bloody Pasta Podcast. Hear you soon in 15 days for another Italian case. Until then, ciao guys. <laughs>